thank our praise team for that wonderful song and invites us to participate in worship and to invite Christ into our hearts in the coming of Advent to us. This morning I'd like to read from the book of Isaiah beginning there in the 35th verse, uh, chapter in the first verse of that chapter. It says, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong or do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, and the haunts where jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. May God bless the reading and hearing and the understanding of the precious and holy word of God. Looking as we come today for hope, do we find ourselves saying, basically, I have no hope, or I have little hope, or I come with the attitude of a big hope? I think as we live in the world that we live in, we all know what it feels like to lose hope. And that's a very bad thing, a very terrible thing, to lose hope. Uh, it causes us to be sad, to be gloomy. Uh, to become disillusioned, sometimes even depressed, to lose all hope around us when deep trouble comes our way. We find that we sort of just dry up inside in a spiritual way. Uh, our very spirit just ceases to have any vitality to it at all. Um, I hope that as you come today, though, if you've come with no hope or just a little of hope, that you'll leave with a big hope because we trust in the Lord to give us that on this day. The people of Israel were acquainted with droughts like we have sometimes experienced here in our country, particularly uh, in the last few years out west. We know there's been tremendous droughts there. Uh, the dusty roads of Palestine to the windy deserts of Iraq. People in the Middle East, they understand the value of water. If we've ever... Um, had a problem with our well, if you've got well water, or if your water has gone off at your house, you know how important it is to have water. Uh, we uh, really function around that so much in our lives, don't we? Well, we find that there was a real dryness here as this was being written. The prophet Isaiah promised that waters would break forth in the wilderness and streams that would flow. Uh, people paid attention to this, and the very thought of a crocus blossoming in the desert was reason to rejoice. So it is with droughts. They come in all kinds of ways. There are physical droughts and spiritual droughts. There are mental and emotional droughts that take place in our life that zap our energy and the strength right out of us. 
But here is the good news. God comes in the desert with streams of mercy never ceasing. Yes, my dear friend, near despair in the lowlands of strife, God is able to come to us in those desert times that we experience and bring flowing water. Isn't that good news for us today as we've entered into this Advent season? I would say we need hope because life is not easy. Sometimes life is more difficult uh, at some stations and seasons of our life than others. But that's a truth that many of us have learned the hard way. We know even it happens uh, in our spiritual lives. It happens in our church life. We've, we've had in the last two weeks six deaths here in our church. That's difficult to lose somebody, particularly during uh, these, this season of the year. We know what it's like sometimes to be able to experience those. It's a matter of not how righteous we are, but because we still are God's people, it doesn't alleviate those things from our life. We still find ourselves being challenged often day in and day out. On September the 3rd, 1987, pilot Henry Dempsey was flying a 15-passenger plane from Lewiston, Maine, to Boston. At 4,000 feet, he heard a sound in the back of the plane, and he turned the plane over to his co-pilot to go check what was going on. As he reached the back of the plane, the aircraft hit some turbulence, and Henry Dempsey was thrown against the stairwell of the door, and the door flung open. Quite suddenly, he found himself trying to hold on to anything that he could hold on to to save his life, and he was able to hold on to a rail. The co-pilot thought that he had fallen to the ground some 4,000 feet, uh, and the flight was uh, diverted to a nearby airport. And when he landed, Dempsey was found with his face some 12 inches off the runway, still alive, but with his hand so tightly gripped around those rails that his fingers had to be pried away. I've never fallen from an airplane, and I hope that you haven't either. But I think all of us have had the experience where it felt much like that, and we wondered how it was that we would make it through this experience, whatever that experience was, and we found ourselves just trying to hold on. Someone has compared our situation to the tenacity of a bulldog. He said the reason God made a bulldog like he did was so that he could hold on and still breathe. The people in the world who have achieved greatness have been those who have had the tenacity of a bulldog. And because problems come our way, we don't need to give up. Because problems come our way and sometimes uh, in large battalions doesn't mean that we need to falter, but rather hold on closer to the Lord. Even though this is a season of the year where all of society is telling us that we need to be merry, we recognize that some people, even devoted saints of God, this becomes the most difficult time of the year. I've got friends who have lost just a multitude of family members during Thanksgiving and Christmas. 
and they had to fight off depression every year that these holiday season comes. For those who are alone, this is the loneliest season of the year. For people who have limited means, they find themselves in this season of consumption as a stark reminder of their lack of material good fortune. For people who have lost loved ones, the emptiness is amplified by this superficial joy that surrounds us at Christmas time. Life is not easy, even at Christmas time. Maybe I would say, particularly at Christmas time, for those who've encountered a lot of difficulties. We do understand why we uh, are here, though. We're here to worship the Lord. We're here to lean upon the Lord. We're here to trust in the Lord. We don't understand why life should be so difficult. I sometimes think the only way that God gets our attention and teaches us uh, how to get from this life to eternity is because uh, we encounter these challenges. We grow spiritually and emotionally as we face failures and frustrations and disappointments and disease. Someone has said that heaven is not a proper place for raising kids. It got my attention when I heard that. By this he means that uh, life in heaven is perfect. There are never any problems. However, if a child were to grow up in a perfect environment, he or she would never learn how to deal with problems. He or she would never face disappointments, would never stumble, would never fail. That child would never grow up. This world is a training place for a better world yet to come. We face life's times uh, that are very difficult with patience and perseverance, and eventually we find ourselves being victorious because we have relied upon God. In the process, we become molded into the very image of God. We do not have all the answers, of course, for Paul says we now look through a glass darkly. We don't have all the revelations. We don't have all the insights. We don't have all the wisdom that we'll have one day when we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. But until that time, we're asked to trust in Him. In such times, I would say, our faith in Christ gives us the hope. Where there is no hope, we need to hold on. Christmas is all about hope. Would you not agree? Isaiah understood hundreds of years ago at the birth of Christ. He described the world in which he lived as a desert. Maybe as you come this morning or as you hear my voice, you feel like that you're living in a desert and you relate to these words that are in the Scripture as it says, the desert and the parched land will be glad, the wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. And then you will see the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I think we all look forward to those spiritual times, don't we? Where we may be living in the desert and we're looking for those waters to bust forth and gush over our lives and that we just can't contain that. When will that day come? When the Messiah establishes Himself 
in our lives in the world in which we are living in. You see, Christmas is all about hope. Michael Dent, who is a Methodist pastor, tells about a church sign that he used to see as he passed by as a student uh, serving in a small church while in seminary as he was attending Southern Methodist University. The sign always fascinated him, but he was always in a hurry either to get home or get uh, to the divinity school. And so he never was able to stop and go see what that uh, sign really said. He, he hardly couldn't believe it. He was fascinated. The sign read like this, Little Hope Baptist Church. Now, can you imagine naming your church that? But Michael Dent says, forget about the name Baptist, think about the name Little Hope. Why would any congregation name their church Little Hope Baptist Church? Why would anyone be attracted to a church called Little Hope? After all, it sounds like a little tiny, struggling, theologically challenged group of God's people. But he got together with his wife and his mother-in-law and they said, we're going to go see if we can find this church Little Hope Baptist Church, and sure enough, they saw the signs and they kept going, and they expected to see a church that was really run down, dilapidated, uh, off the road, probably nobody ever coming to that church, but that's not what they found. On that beautiful Sunday afternoon, Michael Dent and his wife found a church uh, that was fully alive. It was a brick church, a very established church. It had a paved parking lot. It had uh, a nice van and had a covering for the van. Um, there was a nice brick home beside it. They figured that mess must have been the manse or the parsonage. All of that looked really well kept. And, and then they found this sign that talked a little bit about uh, the tradition and the history of the church. And he said it concluded by saying this, this congregation continues its long tradition of helping community members in need and supports various missionary and outreach entities. Michael Dent concluded, what we learned in our journey to Little Hope Baptist Church last Sunday afternoon in that historic congregation is that it has a big hope. It is a big hope church. It just happens to sit and serve in a community whose name for whatever reason, is a little hope. I like that. A big hope church and a little small community. Jesus was born in a little small part of the world. It was a little hope part of the world, and it became a little hope part of the world then and now to a big hope part of the world. You see, over 2,000 years ago, as Jesus was born in that little place called Bethlehem. Nobody expected that. I mean, heck, Jesus really, he, he, he came from Nazareth. That's, that's a little hope place too if you've ever been there. But isn't it amazing how God takes things that we would determine to be little hope and turns them into big hope? Don't we need that today in the world in which we're living people who have no hope, people who have little hope. Don't we need people to be able to have a big hope and trusting in the Lord? 
Don't we need an excitement, present tense, in our lives, in the world that we live in? Jesus Himself taught us that small things could become large things. If we would have the vision, if we would have the faith, if we would have the trust in Him, that He came into the world with a group of people that had no hope, that lived in darkness, that had little hope, and he brought a big hope. He brought a large hope to the world. He brought it then over 2,000 years ago, and he's bringing it to us today. He's bringing it to Roseville. He's bringing it to Roseville Baptist Church. He's bringing it to your families. He's bringing it to our lives personally if we will accept that invitation as He comes to us again. Christ is God's greatest gift to the world. And it's available to all of us. All we have to do is to accept that gift as our own. A woman told her pastor, Lloyd Ovalley, about a conflict that her husband and son was having over a piece of property. The land, which was quite valuable, had been placed in the father's will for the boy. But much like the prodigal son, that boy wanted his inheritance then. And when his father resisted his demands, the son simply broke off relationship with the father. He seldom came home any longer. But the mother was able to convince her son during this Christmas season to come and spend some time with the family. And so the son came and was there for several days, and Christmas morning arrived. And there were gifts all underneath the tree, and they began to pass out those gifts to various people who were there. But there was still one gift underneath the tree. It was a gift that was shaped much like a gift you would place a tie in, and it was from the father to the son. The son kept distance that whole time during Christmas from the father. He didn't really want anything much to do with him. Still had a grudge, still was bitter, still was aggravated with him. One present underneath the tree. It stayed there all day, Christmas day. The next morning they got up that gift stayed underneath the tree the son refused to open that gift what was in that present the father had decided to try to resolve this difference he had placed the deed of the property in that box as a Christmas gift to his son his son never opened up the gift. And to this day, the box is still unopened. You see, oftentimes, we stubbornly refuse to open the gift from our Heavenly Father. Many, many people make that same mistake every day and during this Christmas season. Life is difficult. We hold on by a thread so often. 
but God offers us a gift. Somebody wrote this poem that I think is worth sharing. It says, Lord, I need to keep things in perspective. I get so engrossed in my ups and downs that I forget that you hold the whole world in your hands. Just for today, help me to see the big picture. Fill my heart with a daring and dangerous hope. What we need to see is that there is a gift that came into the world over 2,000 years ago. It came for those people who lived in darkness on that day, but it comes for us today, a people who live in darkness and a people who are challenged by all kinds of things around us. We would absolutely be appalled if we knew what was going on in one another's lives. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of despair. But there's good news today. And the good news is that Jesus came back then and Jesus is coming again on this day and during this season for you and for me. Will you accept that gift of hope during this Christmas season? See, there's more than a little hope. There's a big hope as we trust in Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. May God bless you on this day. I hope uh, that if you did come without any hope, uh, if you came with just a little hope, that you leave with a gigantic hope because Christ is on your side. May God bless you. Let us stand as we have a closing word of prayer. Homer, I'm going to mention that uh, as you went out, you, he had received a word that possibly his, his uh, mother in the Philippines had a stroke, and he was concerned about that, about Hall, and uh, we spoke about that. But uh, we're praying that she'll be okay, and uh, I know that's uh, always a challenge, being away from your family, not knowing. But we pray for you and pray for others who are going through difficult times. Would you join me in a closing prayer? Heavenly Father, help each of us as we have entered into this Advent season that we would be mindful that Christ came and continues to come for us. Many difficulties are in our path. Many challenges are in our view. But Lord, we pray whatever it may be that we would relinquish that to you. We pray for so many, again, that are on our prayer list, so many who are struggling with life's difficulties, health not good. Maybe there's a lot of people who are discouraged and depressed during this season. We pray for Homer's mother in the Philippines that things would be good there. Give him a calm and a peace about it. And we just prayed, Lord, that we would leave with a big hope. Not because our circumstances have changed, but because our attitude has changed and our spirit has changed and you've changed us from the inside out. Bless us, preserve us, and keep us in your will. In Christ's name, amen.